Well, hello, friends. Welcome to the Capital City Christian Church Podcast. My name is Chris, and I'm glad you're listening in today. If this is your first time listening, I'd love to chat with you. So send me an email at hello at capitalcitychristian.org. Today's the final week in our series about how to be rich. If this is your first week listening, you may want to go back a couple weeks to the beginning of this series, because this is not a series about how to expand your own rubber band. It's not a series about how to become more rich financially. This is a series, though, about how to use your money well and the secret to being rich, which is content. Let's hear from our senior minister, Dr. Stephen Doc Pattison, about generosity. Heidi ho, neighbors. If I recall, King Leonidas of Sparta once said, let's get this done. If you don't know what that was all about, ask somebody who's old. (laughs) This life group stuff for us is huge, isn't it? That's where this place becomes a home rather than just the church you go to. And it's where you live out what Jesus wants us to do. This is where we connect and Take care of each other as Jesus followers. So I'd really encourage you, if you're not part of a life group, check this out. Check out this life group connection next week. It's going to be really, really important. Now, there's been kind of a growing excitement about what we're going to do today. There really has. In fact, we've had several people already drop off envelopes in the office during this last week because they couldn't be here today, but they didn't want to miss out. And that's cool. And we're able to do this because this church family has been faithful and generous over the past year. Because of that, even though we're at the end of summer, which is really a hard time for most churches, we're able to basically give away, donate everything that comes in this week that is not designated otherwise. If you stipulate that you don't want your money going to this particular thing, just mark it down and we'll make sure that it goes somewhere else. But we're going to donate every other penny that comes in this week to RIP Medical Debt to pay off the qualified medical bills of nearly 1,300 people. Franklin County, Shelby County, Henry County, Woodford County, Scott County, Owen County, Anderson County, Bourbon County, Harrison County, and even parts of Fayette County, all the stuff that's marked there in green. And if we exceed our goal this morning, we're going to make the circle bigger. Through RIP Medical Debt, every single dollar that we donate today will pay off somewhere near $100 of medical debt. That's amazing. That's cool. It's kind of like Christmas morning, except in some ways better. Now, Christmas morning, I suspect you love watching your kids' faces as they open up their presents, right? Maybe the face of a husband or wife. You watch for the surprise and the delight. But rarely do the presents that we give at Christmas change a life. Sometimes maybe. But what we're going to be able to do today will likely impact the future for scores of families for the good. Now, we're not going to be able to see their faces when they open their mail. In fact, we don't even get to know who we're going to help unless they choose to contact us afterwards. But I can't but imagine that there aren't going to be these huge smiles, maybe some tears, probably some hugs, and likely a few prayers of thanks. And we do know that hundreds and maybe thousands of families are going to see a spark of light at the end of a very, very dark tunnel. We know that a heavy weight's going to be lifted off a whole lot of shoulders. 
We know that shame is going to be smothered by a sense of value and dignity. And it's even possible that a few will be nudged towards our magnificent God. Now today we're wrapping up a little series that we're calling How to Be Rich. This series is not about how to get rich. We are already rich. We're Americans. It's about how to be rich God's way. And if you've been here for the past several weeks, you remember that Randy kicked it off on our Campfire Sunday. He talked about contentment, learning to love what you have rather than obsessing over what you don't have. You will never be rich God's way without contentment. In fact, you'll really never really be happy. Two weeks ago, we talked about debt, dealing with debt as a Jesus follower. We know that the borrower is a slave to the lender. We don't want to be a slave to anybody except Jesus. So debt's a big deal to us. Excuse me. Last week, we talked about the priorities of a Jesus follower when it comes to managing our money. Give, save, live. Give, save, live on the rest. We give the first part back to God because it's all His anyway. And it's one way that we honor him and do his work. We save the next part because we have a responsibility as Jesus followers to pull our own weight when we can and to take care of our families. Today is the coup de grace, being generous. God has blessed us. God has blessed you so that we can bless others. He gives us the responsibility, the honor, and the joy of generosity. We believe him. When he says, it is more blessed, it is more fun to give than to receive. And our generosity not only is fun, it actually breaks the hold that sometimes money has over us. Today, we get to live it out. Today, we're going to be really, really generous. And this is going to be fun. Now, real generosity, guys, is about more than money. Usually when we heard the term generosity, we automatically think money. And there are people who are extravagantly generous with money. But I've been around people who've been extravagantly generous with many other things other than money. How about time? Sometimes time is way more precious than money. But I've been around people who are really generous with their time or their physical energy. There are people who are going to be in there when it's time to do the heavy lifting. Or sometimes the emotional energy. I mean, there are people around us that are draining, right? And I know that there are people in this family who are willing to be drained so they can be there for somebody. They're incredible. In fact, sometimes money is actually used to evade generosity in one of these other areas. Some people would rather give a check than volunteer to help, right? Check's easier. Some people would rather pay someone to work in the nursery than change a few dirty diapers. I get that. I don't mind working in the nursery. I'll do nearly anything to avoid changing a poopy diaper. They're disgusting. Some people rather pay a preacher to handle difficult people than handle them themselves. I get that too. That's why I love Vern on staff. Vern loves people, so I don't have to, right? (laughs) But seriously, generosity is love in action. That's what it is. A generous man just doesn't feel compassion. He actually tries to do something about it, and it is measured by way more than just our money. Okay, so we're going to start unpacking this notion of generosity by looking at a story that we actually taught on here about five years ago, 
familiar story. Even if you're not a Jesus follower, you probably know the basics of this story. So if you have a Bible with you or a Bible app on your phone or your tablet, find Matthew chapter 14. As you're looking for it, I'm just going to go ahead and jump in and you can catch up. Matthew 14, verse 13, here's what it says. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. Now, the news that he heard was that his cousin, John the Baptist, was dead. King Herod had had him beheaded. And so when Jesus heard that news, he went off by himself, I guess, to mourn. But, it says, the crowds heard where Jesus was heading, and they followed on foot from many towns. So Jesus goes off across the lake to be, a, to be alone to get away, and the people circle the lake on foot to find him when he gets to the other side. Verse 14, Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat. He had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. Now Jesus is tired. He's looking for some alone time. Instead of being grumpy when he sees all the people, he just starts loving on them again, which is hard sometimes. Verse 15, that evening the disciples came to him and they said, this is a remote place, it's getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. It's been an amazing day. I mean, think about it. What if you got to spend a whole day listening to Jesus teach and watching him heal people? It's going to blow your mind. Well worth a road trip. But it's been a long day. People are tired. They're hungry. Disciples are tired and hungry. Jesus, these people need food. We do too. And that's where Matthew starts reeling us in. Verse 16. Jesus says it isn't necessary. Send them away. Feed them. You guys. Feed them. You guys go out and feed that huge mob. Now remember, they're out in the middle of nowhere. No real resources nearby, no Kroger, no Sam's, no McDonald's, no BW3. Jesus says, I know it's a long day. I know these people are hungry. I know there's no place to buy food around here. And even if there was a Kroger next door, you guys wouldn't have the money to purchase enough food to feed all of these people. So, feed them. You see a problem, you handle it. Disciples have just entered a place where a whole lot of us have been. We look around, we see a problem, something needs to be done. We look around and it's obvious that there's some needs that need to be met. Our heart starts beating a little faster, we want to do something about it. Sometimes we become aware that maybe we ought to do something about it. We get this conviction, this nudge from God, go on, handle it. Meet that need. I want you to do it. Sometimes our reaction is, mm, no. God, my job is to <clears throat> see the problem, not fix it, right? My job is to pray for the people that you're going to send to meet those needs, right? I'll do my part by recognizing the problem and then pray, God, that you send somebody else. Please send somebody, God, to feed that family. Send somebody to sit at the hospital with that guy. Send someone else to work with those kids. Someone else to teach middle school boys, right? Send someone else to be there for a single mom who is just absolutely frazzled. Send someone else to help those poor people who are being crushed by medical debt. 
God, I know that people are broken and sometimes powerless. I know they need help. And I'm praying with all my heart, God, that you send somebody, that you break somebody's heart. Sometimes, when we feel that way, it's kind of like God just keeps pushing on us. I want you to do it. God, I'm just a scout. I'm just a prayer warrior. I'm not the right man for this job. I didn't train for this job. I don't have the resources for this job. I don't have the experience. I don't have the time. Sometimes, though, God just doesn't seem to let go. It's not a voice, really. It's just a nudge, a conviction that won't go away. We have the ability to smother it if we keep trying hard enough. Sometimes it just feels like God keeps on saying, I want you, I need you to meet that need. Now the disciples start doing what we do sometimes when we feel those kind of nudges. They started making excuses. And I'm telling you guys, the excuses they made are really, really, really good ones, right? I'd accept them. Verse 17, but Jesus, we've got five loaves of bread and two fish, and there are like thousands of hungry people out here. We can't. We're not prepared, we're not equipped. If we did try, we couldn't even make the smallest dent in a huge, huge problem. We're not the right guys for this problem, Jesus. In fact, maybe when Jesus said, you guys do it, I suspect maybe they looked at each other and kind of rolled their eyes a little bit. I mean, sometimes Jesus is a little over the top, right? (laughs) Jesus just keeps on plowing forward. Verse 18, he says, well, bring him here. Bring me those fish sticks that you guys have found. Bring me what you have. Just bring me what you have. This is huge. Bring me what you have. Don't obsess over what you can't do. Just bring me what you've got, Jesus says. But God, I didn't even finish college. I only did two years. Bring me those two years. But God, I don't know much about the Bible. Yeah. Just bring me what you know. God, I don't have much time and I don't have much money. Well, bring me what you have. And they do, because he's Jesus. And Jesus can be very persuasive. And the disciples bring Jesus five small loaves of bread, two small fish. Jesus breaks them up, gives each one of the disciples about a half loaf of bread and a couple of fish sticks. Right standing behind these guys are about 5,000 guys, and that's not counting the women and the children. I mean, so far, all Jesus had done to help is hand back to the disciples what they had given to him. And they're standing there with barely enough for a snack for themselves. And Jesus says, okay, it's time. Feed them. Feed them. This is huge. Listen, guys. Jesus didn't need their help. You buy that? Jesus didn't need their help. Jesus was God. God is really, really good at miracles. He could have fed the crowd completely himself. I mean, the God who created the universe by speaking a few words, do you think he could come up with a few BLTs? You feed him even though you don't have any idea that you've got the resources to get it done, right? It's Jesus, and he can be very persuasive. So they did what they knew how to do. The only thing they could think of doing, they turned around, 
And they had no idea how to feed a whole crowd with a McDonald's Happy Meal, but they could turn around and start serving people. So they did. Verse 19. The disciples distributed the fish and the bread to the people, trusting Jesus to do what only he could do. They did what they could do, and they trusted that Jesus would do what only he could do. And through us, through us, listen, guys, through us, God can do a lot. You buy that? You're going to feel a nudge, a nudge to do something, a nudge to serve somewhere. It's going to be more than just a whim. It's going to be a little persistent. I want you to sign up. I want you to help out. I want you to go on that trip. I want you to talk to that person. I want you to be the one who gives. And you're thinking to yourself, that would take me way out of my comfort zone. You're going to think to yourself, I'm inadequate. And you're going to be able to find a whole lot of excuses that are really, really good ones. You're not the one. And Jesus is going to keep on nudging. He's going to say, you simply do what you can do. And trust me to do what only I can do. Trust me. And God's not only going to be helping somebody through you, he's also going to be stretching you. Stretching your faith. He's building something in you. He's building something grand. And as you learn to trust him, your life with God will come alive. And your life will come alive. Let's keep going. Verse 20. <laughs> so the crowd ate as much as they wanted. Believe it. Ate as much as they wanted. It's unbelievable. Somehow there was enough. In fact, Matthew says, and Matthew was there when this story happened. Matthew says, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers, which is kind of a God thing. About 5,000 men were fed that day, not including the women and the children. And do you know what the disciples did next? Didn't do next. They didn't do this. They didn't go around to people and say, I'm one of those 12 that fed you. I'm pretty cool, huh? I'm good. They didn't start thinking to themselves, we need to open up a business, right? We need to open up a business. Just bring in a couple of loaves of bread and a few fish, and we're going to sell lunches all month long. They took no credit. They presumed nothing because they knew we didn't do that. I was just there. I just did what I could. I just did what I knew I could do, and God showed up. God did what only he could do. Guys, Jesus isn't just feeding a crowd. He's trying to build something in his disciples. You see, in just a couple of years, he's going to entrust this whole thing to these disciples. And they had a lot of growing to do. So a big piece of what Jesus is doing is teaching Jesus' followers to trust him. He's trying to teach us to trust him because he wants us to live a life that means something. About five years ago, five years ago, I was painting up above that screen, right? And I fell off the scaffold right over there. In fact, if you peel up that carpet, you see some of my blood on that floor, right? Closest I've ever come to seeing God face to face. EMS rushed me to the hospital. Frankfurt, they airlifted me to the UK Med Center. And other than the fact that I no longer can throw a 90 mile an hour fastball, I'm doing fine. 
I've got a folder in my office. I don't know why I keep it there. I think the majority of the medical bills from that accident. And I added them up the other day, and the number that I got was just short of $100,000. $99,898.04. I don't know that that's exact. It may not be complete, but it's probably not too far off. And guys, if I didn't have workman's comp, because I was painting, right? My family would have been crushed financially for decades, probably for the rest of my life. We didn't have a insurance when my daughter Alethea was born. We were actually between two insurance companies. It was pre-existing condition. They think pregnancy is pre-existing condition. Go figure. We were students. That was hard. Those medical bills took us years to buy my daughter. Have you ever gotten those medical bills? You ever been crushed by medical bills? Anybody close to you ever been crushed by medical bills? I've asked a couple of folks from our church to share just a piece of their story. Watch this. In 2011, at age 22, our daughter was diagnosed with an arachnoid cyst on her brain. It was so big that it had pushed her brain matter off center and was causing all kinds of problems for her. The decision was made to operate and put a shunt in the cyst. A couple months later, she had to have a second surgery because the shunt got clogged and they had to go in and clean it out. She continued to have massive headaches, couldn't sleep lying down, and, and many other issues. It was eventually discovered that she also had a birth defect where her brain is sinking down into her spinal column. A third surgery took place to remove the top vertebrae to give the brain room and relieve some of the pressure. Shortly after that, she was life-flighted to Louisville for surgery because the main vein in her brain was completely blocked and she was dying. Our daughter has many other health issues, and with that comes many doctor's appointments, tests, procedures, and medicine on an ongoing basis and probably for the rest of her life. All this medical debt has put her in a place where she just could not keep up with the payments. We've helped her through the years, especially when she was off work for surgeries, but our dollars could only go so far. We would help her pay with rent, fix the car, pay for groceries, but one dollar only equaled one dollar, and when you owe thousands, one dollar doesn't go very far. After a couple years thinking about it, our daughter this year had to file for bankruptcy to get some relief from the medical debt. It's giving her a chance to keep up with the medical payments going forward, and she's emotionally and mentally relieved to have the debt off her shoulders, but she does wish she could have done it a different way. That's why we're giving to RIP. If our dollars can equal hundreds of dollars and help someone so they don't have to file bankruptcy or to relieve them of some of the stress they have because of medical issues, then we're all in. We're Jesus followers, guys. Our job is to bring people face to face with Jesus. Not only that, it's to show the compassion of God like Jesus did when he was on earth. For some of you guys, a few thousand dollars of medical debt is no big deal, right? For others of us in this room, it would be crushing. The guys who started RIP Medical Debt started out as debt collectors. It was draining their souls to keep leaning on people who simply couldn't pay. So they used what they learned to kind of turn it around. They know how to purchase medical debt for pennies on the dollar, so they buy it, and then they pay it off 
through the generosity of people like us. That is so cool. Now, they have already identified qualified medical debt for Franklin County and nine other counties around us, all that area that you see in green. It has to be purchasable debt. The debtors have to be below a certain income level, and the debt has to have reached a certain age. It's all picked by their algorithms. We wanted to be able to isolate certain kinds of medical debt. We wanted to be able to isolate the medical debt of veterans or first responders. We can't. So we're about to do something that is genuinely a random act of generosity, which in our own way is so cool. We don't even get to know who we're going to help unless they contact us. By the way, I mentioned this last week, we are partnering in this thing with the fine folks over at Hillcrest Baptist Church. Tom Troff is their pastor. He studies with Randy and me each week. Their church is not large enough to do a campaign like this alone. But partnering with us will be able to even extend this circle bigger. Christians working with Christians. Our goal is $22,000. That'll cover the nearly 10 counties that we've told you about just under 1,300 recipients. Hillcrest Baptist Church has already raised about $4,000. If we raise more than our goal, and I suspect we will, then we're going to expand the circle. There are envelopes in front of you that look like this. I think you're probably sitting on them instead of in front of you. These have already been turned in this last week. If you're going to write a check, we ask that you make it out to Capital City Christian, and unless you designate otherwise, all the dollars that come in this week are going to go for this generosity to RIP medical debt. And we'd like to ask you, if you would, on the back of the card, some have already done it, if you'd like to write a little prayer down, we'll share some of those prayers uh, next week, just maybe your thanks to God for being able to participate, your prayer for those who are going to receive help through this. A couple of caveats. First one is this. Guys, if you do not feel a nudge from God and you do not believe that this is what you ought to be doing with your money, don't give. Please feel no pressure. The Apostle Paul put it like this. He says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly. Don't give in response to pressure because God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And I think that verse is targeted at us this morning. Number two, if you do feel a, a nudge but you can't give a lot, maybe you're thinking to yourself that what you give will not make a difference. <laughs> well, it will. It will for them and it will for you. One time Jesus honored a poor woman who was just putting pennies into the offering box because it cost her a whole lot more than the big checks the rich people around here were putting in. God will honor you. And remember, we're in this thing together. And together we can make a difference. Our job is to do what we can do and watch God do what only He can do. And guys... God lets us resist his nudges for now. He's a gentle God for now. And he lets us tell him no for now. Why would we? Do you know what our generosity does? 
It's not just about the people that we're going to help. It's about you and me. God uses our generosity to teach us to trust Him, sometimes to take us out of our comfort zone, because Jesus following often does take us out of our comfort zones. Jesus isn't just loving somebody through us. He's stretching us. And generosity is used by God to break the hold that our greed sometimes holds over us, the obsession with money that so many of us have. I mean, Jesus says that Satan uses money as the greatest competitor for your heart. Generosity breaks that power, and we need that kind of freedom. And generosity gives us the ability to walk the talk. Too many people think that we Jesus followers talk about compassion, but we don't live it out. Well, we're going to live it out this morning, aren't we? In the early church, the generosity of God's people was one of the most powerful witnesses to their world of Jesus and the lives of his people. The church was unstoppable. We were like an airborne virus, in part because we walked the talk. And perhaps some of you, perhaps many of you today will taste contentment and maybe even joy because it is more blessed to give than to receive. And God is not only giving us the opportunity to be generous, but he's going to help us multiply that generosity 100-fold. Think about that. Nearly 1,300 families, 10 counties, maybe way, way more. Somewhere around 45 years ago, I still remember the conversation. Julie and I had just committed to supporting a child through World Vision. I called the number and signed up, and the lady I was talking to said three simple words. She said, God bless you. And he did. In that moment, I felt a sense of God's presence. I felt a sense of God's pleasure. I still remember that moment to this day. God wants us to live, really live, for something bigger than ourselves. Maybe today your life with God will come alive. We're never more God-like than when we give. That's who he is and that's what he does, so we do too. Our God gives us way more than we need if we learn to be content. He gives us way more than we need so that we have the ability, the honor, and the fun of being generous. And it's actually weird that God would use us this way. It's crazy that God would ask us help in anything. He doesn't need our help. The God who created the universe with a few words can do anything he wants with the snap of his finger. But he chooses to use the generosity of people like us. And being used by God is daggone cool. One last thing. The money that we're going to give this morning is not going to make much of a difference to some hospitals and some doctors, other medical services. This offering is not for them. Put yourself on the other side. Put yourself in the shoes of the ones who find 
one of those notices in their mailbox each week and their heart sinks. Ever walk to your mailbox dreading the fact that another bill might be there? Peek over their shoulders at the stack of bills in the drawer and feel the shame and the hopelessness. Maybe you don't have to imagine. Have you ever dreaded phone calls because somebody's after your money? Now imagine about seven or eight weeks from now. What if you could be a fly on the wall? If you could see the look on their faces when they opened up that yellow envelope. What are you going to see? You're going to see shock, disbelief, tears. We're going to make people cry. Smiles, relief, joy. We're going to make people laugh. Can you imagine the picture when they show the letter from RIP medical debt to their husband or their wife or their kids? Can you sense the difference? Knowing that they don't have to welch on a debt, they tasted grace. Their integrity has been restored, perhaps. Maybe way more than any of that. Maybe some of them will lift their eyes upward or shut their eyes and bow their heads as they turn their thoughts towards God. What if, what if our generosity opens even just a few of them to the grace of our amazing God? I'm telling you guys, this kind of stuff is one of the reasons the early church exploded, and it's still one of the ways that God works today. So here's what's going to happen. We're going to get quiet for a minute or two. I'd just like you to spend a minute or two with your God. Is he nudging you? Has he given you the sense that perhaps this is the right thing to do? You're going to step out on faith. You're going to step out of your comfort zone. You want to be a part of this thing? We'd like you to use one of these envelopes. If you don't want your money going to this cause, and that's perfectly legit if you want to put it somewhere else, just designate it. Otherwise, we'll honor what you designate. But if you would, put your gift in one of these envelopes. If you would like, write a little prayer on the backside of the envelope. And again, we will share some of those prayers next week when we tell you how we did. And then when you're ready, go to one of the worship stations. At every one of the worship stations, you're going to find a little bit of tape. We'd ask you to kind of take just a little piece of tape and tape your envelope to one of the cards that's by your worship station. And then take a piece of bread and a cup, which represents the grace of our God for you. Why don't you pray with me, please? Father, what a gift that you've given to us. Just the blessings you give us every single day. And now you give us the opportunity to be generous, and not only to be generous ourselves, but to multiply our generosity a hundredfold. For that gift, we give you thanks. And we pray that these offerings will not only lift a burden off of so many shoulders, but perhaps we'll turn some eyes towards you. Thank you for the opportunity to be used. In the name of Christ, we pray these things.